Welcome to Dark Hammer, a Darker Days radio show. This is a podcast in the Darker Days radio family, which will be focusing on the worlds of Warhammer, be that the Warhammer 40,000 universe, a war-torn future of aliens and humanity on the brink of apocalypse, or possibly we'll be talking about the Warhammer fantasy uh, setting, which is the classic Warhammer setting in the old world, where the Empire and Elves fight against the legions of the undead and the invading chaos warbands from the north. Or we'll be talking about the more up-to-date, well not up-to-date, but modern interpretation of Warhammer, which is Warhammer Age of Sigmar, which is the world which takes place after the Warhammer world, consisting of many realms and, again, some familiar factions and some new interesting factions and creatures and places that we haven't seen before, as well as some familiar faces as well. I am one of your regular Dark Days hosts, Chris, and I am joined by uh, another Dark Days radio host, Dave. How's it going? Hey, yeah, good. Finally getting on one of the actual shows. On, the, a- on a show, yes. <laughs> Been working in the background for I don't know what a year or so now. But yeah, I'm doing shows. Yeah, doing doing the kind of front facing at the events kind of thing as we kind of also ramp those up. Um, yeah. So for this episode zero, we're gonna as I said we've kind of pitched in our tent about what uh, Dark Camera is going to be about, and you can learn a bit more about us as hosts why we're doing this because um, you know we're not just doing it just because it gets hits. We actually do like these settings. Uh, and in future episodes, of course, we'll work towards getting uh, interviews with people like Andy Chambers, Thomas Piranen, uh and like you know similar uh, similar contributors to Warhammer past and present. Uh, simply because they're good people to get on to chat about really particular things, especially like Mordheim, and we've had them on the show before, so that's always good. Uh, the other thing to say about this show, this episode zero, you'll learn a bit about us. And also uh, in future episodes, we will be joined by other Darker Days radio hosts. So, you know, depending upon scheduling, uh, Mike will more than likely want to jump on the show because he is a big fan of these settings as well. And I'm sure James will want to talk about things because I think he's mostly played a good number of the Warhammer settings in computer game form. And him being a computer game designer, mostly has some insight into what those do and how that translates into those games and what we can possibly take back from those games and put into rpgs and uh yeah and we'll talk about events as well because we do go to events and we like running demos and there is an event coming up very soon which we will talk about right at the end so with all that uh Dave, why don't you introduce yourself? Why you're into Warhammer and what have you done with it? Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Dave. Um, I've well, I started when I was a kid, really, very very young. Got into Warhammer. I think I was uh, walking past the Games Workshop store in Norwich when I was about nine or ten, and being a nine or ten year old, yeah, things kind of. Looked exciting and interesting, people messing around and being stupid, making stupid faces and wags and <clears throat> screaming, and you could hear it down the street. So I thought I'd pop in and see what it was all about. And I've been in and out of the hobby ever since then. Um, kind of really got back into it, I think, when I came to university here in Manchester 
Um, again, got to know the local store. Manchester store is amazing uh, under Paul. And that's where I met Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we yeah. had some good times working together there. Yeah. Um, I then left the hobby because I left the country. So I missed yeah. it about <laughs> 10 years, I think, of it. Um, but it's something that when I came back to England, yeah, got back into it straight away. Um, kind of had missed a lot of what happened with Warhammer Fantasy, came back when there was the end times. That was kind of cool to come back and see the world dying and the creation of the new world with Age of Sigmar. Um, but I just love, remember playing in campaigns as a, when I was at uni here, Storm of Chaos was a really good memorable one. Um, the 13th Black Crusade, when they did these world, world campaign systems, um, they were great fun. And so just kind of getting back into that and getting the stories that the worlds are just so evocative to me. It's like, if you look on the blog, um, you'll see the, the shadows and skirmish stuff that I write. It's all about how we can create those stories and kind of create that life beyond the overarching Imperium. Um, now I do a lot of kit bashing, which keeps me <laughs> poor, I should say. <laughs> and poor. <clears throat> so yeah, I only need five models for a, for a kill team. Uh, yeah, but I also need 700 kits to build those five models. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's what, about a year, year and a half ago, Chris got back in contact with me as he moved up to Sheffield and we started doing stuff together again. Um, what have we done? We've done some vampire stuff and now we're kind of moving into wrath and glory and things. So we've got some yeah. cool stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's quite you, your history and um, dabbling and and uh, enjoy the hobby, it, it parallels mine quite a lot. So um, my, I think my earliest memory of Warhammer type stuff, I think is a copy of White Dwarf, which had the classic um, Battlefleet Gothic um, cover on it. So we're talking the old yeah. Battlefleet Gothic, with that oval view screen out onto the star field with orcs and an orc ship being like smashed into by an imperial cruiser or was it maybe an eldar one i can't remember um but it was, so it's quite funny because like that was one cousin of mine who's about my sister's age so it was like about so um well, oh no possibly a bit older so like at least a good four or five years older and then another cousin of mine also was into the hobby and so i saw stuff like you know, you could tell you know if i think about it I'm, I'm sure it was like his warhammer quest box game and stuff like that or maybe it was hero quest can't quite remember the details on that one and then i got into the hobby around about oh, just before necromunda came out so i think it was the christmas when um second edition 40k was eventually released yeah. Uh, and I didn't buy it, but a friend did, and we were playing it. And then I didn't really buy anything until Necromunda came out. Um, and even then I didn't buy Necromunda, because I was just using one of the games that was in there. Uh, I think my first proper wargaming per- purchase was some Eldar for Epic. And then it just came up from there. So Epic, Eldar, uh, 40k, uh, because they were the brand new army at the time that, uh, when they first came out. 
Um, to me, this yeah, and the elder to squats. Yeah, and um, and Necromunda, I eventually hard on the Spiros because you know they were kind of cool. Um, and then yeah, like you, you know, built up a big turret army, had some forty k armies. Uh, well, had the army, had a chaos army for Warhammer. Eventually, uh, had a you know stuff for Epic. Um, Bits and back, uh, bits and pieces here and there for other things. Uh, Blood Bowl, you know, went to uni, carried on collecting turnips, you know, uh, eventually started working part time at the Ultram store, so outside of Manchester, but you know, commutable. Uh, and then I think it was when I started PhD that I just dropped out of a hobby because I just, you know, and, and other things. Um, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. I, I was just like, I needed to divorce myself from the hobby for a while um and then i got back yeah, into war doing game. a phd in hobby does not yeah. go together at all well no i had other things going on a lot more other things going on a lot more role play going on back then like uh vampire and so forth um and then i got back into war gaming when i was in germany uh and then when i got back to the uk uh in 20 I then was like, I'm going to get back into the hobby, Games Workshop stuff. Because also Games Workshop over that time has, the time we've spoken about has changed in its attitude and style and how it presents itself and interacts with its customer base. Massively. A lot, yeah. Uh, and so, so, you know, wants to play Necromunda, uh, classic style and skirmish and then obviously Necromunda came back. Uh I've I've got um I've got like a look over my shoulder now a classic copy of Nec of Gorkamorka because I lost all my Gorkamorka stuff so I bought a complete version of Gorkamorka for 40 quid off eBay. Such wow. goodbye. Um uh, when it should have been a lot more. Uh and yeah I've just picked up a lot of the um the other the games which are at the extremities of 40k and Warhammer, though I do have, um, I think Age of Sigmar, I didn't really get until Soul Wars came out because it really had a good, strong identity with that, with Nagash being really back in there. And I think after a good two, three years, they've really got an idea of what Warhammer Age of Sigmar is about. And, uh, and yeah, you know, 40k is moving forward really well. And now we're in this day and age where we've got Cubicle 7 with it's good that, like, with Soul Wars being released for Age of Sigmar, that has really kind of, and the second edition of Age of Sigmar, it's really pushed a lot of people to really understand the setting. I got into it, ooh, I went to Age of Sigmar maybe two years before second edition. Yeah. It took me a while to understand it. But what we liked about it in our little group was because there was no real solid world to play in, it allowed us to create the yes. world. So that's how we kind of took it. It's like, yeah, this, the game's simple. It's easy enough to go straight onto the table. We understand Games Workshop well enough and how they kind of want to do stuff and went, well, here's Shaiish. It's the realm of dead, the death. And uh, let's create our own little bubble universe in there and, and play in that. And we kept it within the theme of um, what, we had, what we knew, but we created our own little place to play and that's once we kind of got that and had our own little stories going our little campaigns and our our little skirmish forces going it kind of we all kind of 
got it. And yeah. then Star Wars came out and it kind of reinforced everything and brought that story to the larger market. So those people who may not have got it at the beginning, they are now getting it. They're seeing this expanding story and this expanding universe. Um, so it's all good, exciting times that front for me. Definitely. It's, um, and what, I mean, other releases, I mean, like um, uh, Warcry has done a lot to, again, push this idea of it's expanding the world. But I think what's clear, like when Age of Sigmar first came out, I think they were trying to, there's a, they, like some people expecting really you know, grandiose tomes to explain everything. And they, you just can't in that space of time. You're starting from scratch. And what Warcry really shows is a new approach, or at least not a new approach, but really doubles down on, on the approach of showing, not telling. So we're learning more about the setting as every expansion comes out. We see it through the models, through the um, through yeah. the, the, the language of the models, the design, the uh, how they look, how they move, how they fight. We're not being told through page upon page upon page of wall of text, this is what this place is like. Which is fine for 40k because it's built up that amount of stuff. But it was in, even in the early days of 40k, you look at Rogue Trader, like how much detail is there? Jack shit. Very little. That's Jack shit. The original Rogue Trader book was what? Really small. It was tiny. Yeah. It was full of so many random tables and very story. It was just space marines in bars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not a concept to think of nowadays, but. <clears throat> so, so I think, you know. I think what's quite clear from what we've both said, and we both have um, a love of the settings. We're kind of critical in our own way of certain things with the settings. Who isn't? <laughs> yeah. um, and we've we've been there when there's been world dominating campaigns, and they've uh, they've done a reset on it because it didn't quite go the way they wanted it to. Um, right. Yeah, things like that. Um, and the, the glory days of the early two thousand. Seen the the near demise. And then yeah. there's massive revolution in the company coming through again. Yeah, and it's interesting also with how the company approaches like its IPs because obviously there's a they seem less precious about it yeah. um, in the sense of we're all enjoying it in a way we can. So some people can enjoy the the hobby in a very small way, like you buy like three, four models because we're playing, you know, uh, Warhammer Underworlds. Or yeah. you're playing it with massive armies, or you're playing Apocalypse, you massive Forge World models, or you're enjoying it through the multitude of different games which use the IPs, even if it's Munchkin, for crying out loud. And the thing about those is it shows... it, it Those things reward players for um, enjoying the hobby, and they allow you to have a bit of a laugh with it and understand that behind it all, there is... There is something funny about it. Yeah, the new thing they're doing as well with um, what they did with the first release of Age of Sigma is the idea of narrative play and open play. Yeah. So it's not all about match point fights anymore. You, you've got a lot more freedom and creativity built within the base games themselves to actually kind of really explore and play it how you want to play it. You don't have to turn up and go, right, we're playing a 2,000-point game. Put your models on the table. Let's go. It's like, no, let's let's... If we want to, let's make a story. It's like, I've only got a thousand points, you've got two thousand. Let's make a story out of it. Let's have some fun. Or I've got these models, you've got those models. They don't really work together, but let's let's have fun anyway. Let's have a game. Yeah. So being a lot more open and that's brought a lot more people into it to and there's no more of this massive meta gaming power game 
kind of community. There's a lot more out there for the yeah. um, the storytelling side of it. And I think that's what brings us that 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 term brings us to what the point of this podcast is. So our aim is each episode we're going to find one or two topics across one or two of the worlds um and we're going to explore that topic uh it could be a very narrow topic it could be a very broad one and we're going to look at how this can be a source of inspiration for your role play games of this world so for instance i'm not saying we're going to talk about it but we could talk about the Adeptus Ministratum of the 40k universe and how you could run a Inquisitor game, uh, well, the Inquisitorial type Wrath and Glory game, set within the politics and intrigue of who actually logged this piece of history uh, about this this event. Because the, the 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 question being is then, did this event take place or not? Because if it did, it has implications to scripture and uh, what is considered canon within the uh, within the within the imperium and what's considered if it's holy scripture or is it heretical? That in itself is huge, and you know you get into you're drawing on things uh, like movies like uh, Brazil and. and, and uh, even like equilibrium, where you know a piece of text is a prescribed text, you should never read it. Yeah. Um, so there's it's, that that idea of not just kind of focusing on on that kind of grand picture. Oh, it's space marines versus everybody else. It's you can go down to that level. You can take it into the politics side of it because if you read just the basic background of 40k, it's all about politics and moving things. And yeah, the war is kind of the overarching image you see but what goes on to to actually have this this mass conflict and how does holy terror actually support its armies how does it support its people how do the governments work they're all corrupt if you read if you read any slight information about the sectors the the high lords they're all playing their own little games and bringing in things like that it just like, instantaneously you're talking about pages and pages of material there straight away to have fun with and it's all um, about fighting yeah it's not all about fight, fighting so the, this the unending war you know the oncoming the oncoming ap- apocalypse that can be either something very very much at the forefront of the stories you tell or it can be the thing that is in the background so it's the mood it's the tone so if you're running a let's again use 40k because 40k is a very good uh, is a very good example of this um because in some respects with age of sigma we're still learning that setting as it grows which is fun in its own right but with 40k like you know if you want to talk tell a story about just some simple imperial guardsmen and they are say patrolling some backwater world right that isn't on the front lines yet they're the they're a they're part of a planetary defense force yeah or enforcers on that world because you know their enforcers they keep the um they keep the peace but the feeling of the importance of the wars which are fought by the imperium against the multitudes of enemies are there because they'll be walking down boulevards and there'll be massive statues to some hero who's been forgotten for a thousand years or if they get invited into say a office of the the local lord marshal 
on the in the city that they're on on this backwater planet there could be behind the lord marshal an oil painting depicting the great uh, victories of lord you know grand lord um whoever who's been forgotten for 200 300 400 500 1000 2000 years but the fact is that the these are all all these artifacts all these tales all these legends all these stories about are all relate to the on the the endless war that the imperium fights and it's interesting because i think we can do some of this also you can definitely do some of this with obviously with warhammer in the warhammer fantasy world in you know the current warhammer rpg takes place what about 2515 i think is the age i yep. don't quote me on that but anyway it's it's about a decade or so before the end times it's all yeah it's set just as they are kind of building up to that uh the invasion uh from the chaos up north and nagasha's rises again so yeah it's, it's that impending 12 uh one minute to midnight kind of feeling the world is going down you've got your elect accounts fighting for power to control um so yeah it's, it's the same it's it's the same kind of setting just in a fantasy world um but yeah there's in, in, just in the empire itself the politics in the empire is ingrained and in depth and then you throw in politics from the dwarves and the uh the elves they're just as complicated so it's all over there and we're really slowly interesting to aspect to look at within these settings yeah and you're slowly starting to see this as well in um age of sigma um Nagash was an ally of Sigma. He's no longer an ally of Sigma. He's doing his own thing. There's weird politics going on between uh, Sigma and Marathi. And are they friends? Are they not friends? They still work for order, but yeah, murder elves and shining boys. Well, that's an interesting one. And then the Deepkin have come in there. They've got their own little things. So we are starting to see this kind of more subtle play of politics coming into the new world as well um and getting these kind of little snippets that we're seeing through uh the games workshop web uh, community team like uh the psychic awakening stories these are take these little things and they, they they allow you to see the reality of what happens in in the in the kind of like the normal world not the bigger world that people generally think of but like you're a normal imperial citizenry like the last psychic awakening story is all about a guardsman and some enforcers yeah. deal with a religious uprising. It's a perfect setting. It's an amazing story. It's like I've got we've got some plans. Um, my gaming group and I we've got some plans to kind of take that idea and run with it. So um, yeah, there's so much out there now. That's, yeah, it, definitely for sure. <clears throat> so I think I think that that. You know, so that's, I think, really puts it kind of quite, I think it's quite obvious what we're trying to go for. We're trying to, like, explore these settings at different hierarchies of interaction with the setting, like Average Joe Ganger, never heard of the name Corn. he's never heard of of um, Nurgle, he doesn't know who the Chaos Gods are, Eldar, he's never heard of the term Eldari. He doesn't even know what they are. He knows that there's some weird skinny el uh, like um, aliens out there, but he's never come across them. But he's aware of these corpse grinder gangs that are complete cannibals, and they talk about the Lord of Bone and Sinew. Um, 
so that's and I think that's an interesting thing which is Necromunda has shown is that again reinforcing that you know there are different levels of interaction with with different parts of the setting um mm-hmm. things that are taken for granted by an inquisitor are considered complete supernatural hocus pocus by an average person there are worlds far from the front lines and in the empire again one of the things i think uh, with warhammer is quite interesting is that you know when you play warhammer when you play a game of classic warhammer and you've got your rank and file troops there and you're doing your wheeling your t- in classic style um <laughs> you um remember those those wheeling yeah. yeah but you have to kind of think that your army on that tabletop is actually a fraction of what would have been a larger war front a larger uh, battle line a, lo- a much larger army and a much larger longer battle going on and that these battles don't take place actually as frequently as you think and that act, you know for the most part you know within the empire within the warhammer world worlds don't take you know bat- these massive battles aren't taking place even every year they're taking place you know there's decades between if not that because if they were that frequently, I think I think the empire would be highly depopulated as a result. Because they're only yeah. city sa- city states. Um, this was one of their big problems with with the whole world of oh, the old world was it was just it became too popular that the only thing they could really do was destroy it. So you yeah. have fights. So it was kind of a timing issue and size issue that thirty years of a fantasy setting can can do to it. So there's also so only so much you can right because obviously let's be honest the warhammer the classic warhammer world is a pastiche of of uh europe europe of renaissance europe of um of various things and it doesn't allow you to have much um copyright control on the look of it because someone else can make a renaissance army and it fits in with the setting there's not much you can do about that games which doesn't have control on that so so Age of Sigmar is a way of, of stamping creatively what was theirs. Uh, I think also it helps because it distances the game look and feel, the setting feel of the miniatures they make more from uh, Lord of the Rings, which of course they make. Um, and I'm going to say this now. They, let's just be honest. I know this isn't the focus of the podcast, but we may as well just put it, say a good shout out. The miniatures they make for the for Lord of the Rings now are fantastic, like compared to when they first came out when we were working in the shops. <clears throat> and really also, good how good are those miniatures then in conjunction if you want to play Cubicles Heaven's uh, Lord of the Rings <laughs> roleplay game? Spot on. Anyway, enough of that. Carry on. Um, <laughs> um, I think we've said everything about why we, want to, why we run these games, what we want to explore. We, there's so many little things. So we've also talked about the novels. I've been re-listening to Eisenhorn Trilogy. I'm currently listening to the Magos. I've always finished that. I'm mostly going to start um, listening to... I can't remember what I was going to listen to. Some, some of the stuff from the horror range that Black Library brings out. Um, I'm also keen to read some of the novels set around the Blackstone Fortress. Um, how about yourself? Anything novel-wise that you're delving into? Uh, I am going to put my hand up here and probably get shouted out by a lot of people and said I've not read a Games Workshop novel for about 15 years. I think after Ravna finished, I didn't read anything else. I need to kind of get back into them. Um, but I don't get much chance to read anyway at the moment, so uh, I wish I did have time to read. 
Uh, yeah. Um, I think also, other than, uh, I was thinking the other thing from reading, obviously, lots of things that appear in um, white dwarf, tiny little things here and there, which we'll try and pick up on and will draw your attention to on how it can be used in games. Because, you know, it's tidbits of lore that, that then turn up in later rule books. Yeah. I think that's oh. kind of the key, one of the key things there is we're going to look for those little key those little story hooks that they kind of drop in those little one-liners and kind of go well they've put this one line in there well that sounds really cool how can we then use that in the grander settings like you just see this nice little one-liner um i think there was a uh, a line in uh, someone showed me this uh, i didn't read the book but i did see the line in the book in the shade spire novel there's a line which basically states that oryx have explosive blood Oh, wow. uh, which I've never seen before. Um, and I think it comes into the thing of everything is canon, but not everything is true. Yes. But you could run with that as an idea that an orc has discovered that its blood is explosive and has gone mental and goes into a town and starts blowing crap up. So, oh, can we just say Shadespire as a setting within the Age of Sigmar setting is cause is cool as everything it's just there's something about Shadespire it has a, a city between realms that's these again it's caught the imagination of the Mordheim is as a, as a setting yeah. game game wise it's not something for me but that no. setting and what they've done with the models and getting those gangs and getting those stories is like it's it's modern version modern day Mordheim I would love to make so many people out there for saying that but i would love to make some like crystalline style kind of terrain to yeah to give evoke it or at least i've got some stuff which can make it look like the the deserts around um shades of glass yeah. yeah um i've seen some other terrain kits by other companies which have inspired me um i want to try and make like basalt structures um using i need to get the right enough molding gel uh to cast it using pencils uh, you know. Yeah, I'm now just thinking of doing a Warcry campaign in Shadespire. Yeah, I'm thinking exactly. Those convergences, you could uh, have some real fun with creating your own convergences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll mostly talk exactly about this idea um, on a future episode. Um, yeah. I can see but, we're going to get far too carried away too quickly on some of these ideas. Yeah, that's why we'll have to keep them, keep them restrained for an episode and then come back like, 10 episodes later once we've like either played it or we've ruminated on it a lot more and we can have a full idea um right i think that's is that that's almost everything that i think we want to say for this first episode um we're going to talk about what's coming up so coming up okay so so also uh the thing i didn't say is that so so people don't get too confused by what's going on uh, let me just check. So technically, this is episode zero, but it it, it will also be episode one hundred and twenty four of Dark Days Radio because we're going to keep with the Dark Days Radio numbering scheme because it's just easy to find. But it yeah. will also be labelled with Dark Hammer episode zero. So there's going to be two, you know, uh, labels there to find it. So that's the first thing. Second thing is there will be show notes and links to blogs, events, material, or links to recent Games Workshop releases that we think mostly are useful. If you if we think you want to learn more, here it is, because, you know, there's only so much we can tell you about before we're mostly uh, 
breaching some copyright or something by saying things, you know, we're discussing, we're not going to tell you the rules verbatim or something. Um, then the other thing is that we have events coming up and there are some good events coming up. Very some really cool stuff coming up, yeah. So the first one is there is Dragon Meet, which is on the 30th of November in London at the Novotel Hotel in Hammersmith. Yep. Uh, it is something like £10 entry, £10, £12 entry. Don't quote me on it, but it's around about that ballpark. You can order tickets online. Um, there will be various retailers there, like Cubicle 7. It's mainly a role-play games and tabletop games uh, event uh, run by Modifius. Uh, and they, and Cubicle 7 will be there, as I said. We will be there as part of the podcast zone. And we will be running a uh, live play with miniatures of Wrath mm-hmm. and Glory set That's in the dark depths of Necromunda. Uh, we will also be running some other stuff there. I will be running a first playthrough of Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition Project Blacklight. And there is something super secret which I still don't have the full details on and will be announced in a future show, if not this on the regular Dark Games Radio show. Then we also have coming up in uh, somewhere in the Northeast, can't remember where, is Pax Unplugged, where Mike will be running Project Blacklight uh, with Gehenna Gaming. Uh, they're running a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of demos of Vampire 5th Edition there. Uh, and I think Mike will be there with Crystal, who also appears on Dark Games Radio. Uh, so that's good. And then you are running, you're doing some stuff with uh, Fanboy 3 for their this event well, aren't you? Which is yes, related. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what is it? It's a, we're doing probably a 12-hour drop-in, drop-out RPG overnight trying to, for charity and trying to kind of keep it as a real-time thing. So the last group in, they have to find their haven before the sun comes up. And the real sun rises over the city of Manchester. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a, I just had a long session, that one. A big suggestion of what you get, the resources you need. The random tables that do exist already in, in Vampire Fifth Edition, and also a book called Damnation City, which is actually for Vampire the Requiem, but it's a city book that has some lots of ideas of locations, and that might be just the ticket for what you need. Yeah, um, there's, there's a little bit more planning. We've got, a, well, it's next yeah. weekend, so need to kind of get moving on that one. But that's interesting, actually. That's already made me think about it. Damnation City, because it's about how cities work, might be a really good way of looking at how to deal with stuff in Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, and also in 40k. Because yeah. there's also quite a few good releases recently for uh, Warhammer that we need to look into. Um, and also Shadow uh, Enemy Within campaigns being re-released and revised, so that's cool. Uh, yeah it's um uh yeah it's it's looking like a good book um so yeah episode 125 will be uh me and mike talking to kind of gaming uh i think episode 126 of dark days radio will be me and james reviewing the black void which is a kind of mythos persian uh arabian night prince of persia style um RPG, um, and then mostly after that is when we're going to talk about more. Oh no! Well, well the next the next episode will be either another episode of this, 
which will which will release on the weekend of us doing Dragon Meat, or it'll be the weekend after. I don't know, but yeah, the, the, there's going to be there's a lot of content coming up and going out, and uh, but that's about that's everything. That's all we can say for now. Um, I'm going to spend my uh, weekend finishing painting miniatures for Dragon Meat, and then yep. actually play some maybe, and then play some Necromunda on Saturday. Not Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and I'm picking up from the post office uh, the Book of Peril and the Book of Law for Necromunda. It's the one that has the Enforcer rules in it. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I am. I cannot wait for Necromunda Dark Uprising. Oh my God. But that is for another show. That is so for <laughs> another show. Are you doing any other anything uh, Warhammer related over the weekend? I won't be well. Probably not Warhammer related. I've got the models uh, to paint out again, but I've also got the writing to do. I've got the next uh, Shadows and Skirmish, Shadows of Kamara game has been played. That needs to be written up and put on the blog. It's got some cool pictures and things actually went my way for once in that game. That ah, cool. Okay. Well, I think that that is everything. We shall leave it there then. So thank you again for uh, Dave for coming on and starting this new venture. Uh, and everyone listening, thank you for putting up. If you don't like this, then you've only listened to episode zero. You have nothing else to miss. Uh, if you do like this and you have any comments, suggestions, or things you want to hear more about from the Warhammer Worlds, please email us at www. Uh, no, that's the website. www.darkerdaysorg is the website. If you want to email us, it's darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. If you want to get in contact with us on social media, uh, we are on Facebook, we are on Twitter at darkerdaysradio, we are on Instagram, where of course we do post up pictures of miniatures and unboxings. Uh, we do have a Twitch stream we sometimes use for things like unboxings. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel which sometimes uploads things, often not anymore because it's more effort than it's worth. Um, and then we have the WordPress blog, which of course, as I said, has stuff like his campaign reports of their Kamara campaign, or I'll have a battle report, or I'll have reviews of games, including releases from Games Workshop for their Worlds of Warhammer things. Uh, and at some point, I'm sure because I have I work in Nottingham anyway for my day job, it'll be really good also to start doing, uh, to head down on like a, a weekend and do something. So, um, yeah, we might we might organise a meetup. You never know. That'd be kind of crazy. Kind of cool. Get down that'd to be, one World One Saturday. That'd be really nice, actually. I should see if Cubicle 7 will let me run a demo of Wrath and Glory at, in in a at, in Bugman's Bar. I wonder if that's something we can organise. I don't know. Stay tuned. No, we'll find out. Edition, fourth edition in Bugman's Bar. Oh, oh, that'll be sweetest. That'll be very cool. Um, but yeah, we'll find out. We'll we'll see what goes on. Uh, these are all pie in the sky ideas, uh, and we'll organise more demo events at our friends at Fanboy Three, and I'll see what I can get done in Sheffield more locally. Um, with that, thank you for listening, and we will see you later. Ciao for now. Bye.